This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And hey, at least for now, it's a victorious one. We'll see how the next, I don't know, eight, nine games go. But for now, Arizona ends the non-conference, Shane, at 2-1. and one. We're right where we thought we would be. Mm-hmm. Could be 3-0. and oh. I mean, we More could. Less. Yeah. Yeah. So, a uh, big show ahead of us. Just want to preview before we get going on everything else. Our buddy Barrett Baker going to join us once again. Usually we don't do it uh, so have guests so close together, but he's the best of the best as far as we're concerned. And you know, we've more than one person has told us, Eric. You know, I that they would be okay if Barrett was on every week with us. And we're we're thankful to have a good Rolodex of guests. But Barrett's able to join us again. He's got a lot of thoughts and. Uh, like I said, if, if he wasn't out saving lives and putting out fires with the Tucson Fire Department, he'd be a great uh, TV analyst. So we're fortunate that he's that he's one of our guys. Before we get going uh, on buy or sell, it is time for our new segment, Shane's Standout. So in a thirty-one to ten game, Shane, what who stood out to you? Well, I it'd be the second week in a row, but I think just for that catch alone, you have to put McMillan on back on there. I mean, and it's a shame really that Arizona didn't score on that drive. Uh, but number four on SC's top ten, just a ridiculous catch. It would. I'll, I'll say. I'll say this, and it's probably something that's going to irritate fans. It's not a throw that Jaden Delora should have made, but nope. it was a classic Jaden Delora throw, right in double coverage. He's trusting his receivers, and 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 he and and T Mac. You know what? T Mac is an, an enabler, is what he is for Jaden Delora when he makes catches like that. But it was it was ridiculous. He had the fumble as well, but he get toned for that. So, uh, got to throw throw him in there, and then uh, on defense. Uh, Arizona still coming up a little short on the takeaways, but Gunnar Maldonado with that, just the force of will to, to take that ball away uh, in um, I think it was, uh, late third quarter, early fourth quarter, may have been, may have been after, uh, after you left, Eric, did you leave? You, you left in the fourth I, I, quarter. I, you, you really wanted to bring that up. I Shane? really did. Yes. Cause people okay. love talking about that with you. All right. Listen, the game was an eight, 10 kickoff. <laughs> I left at the start. No, actually I left a little bit midway through the fourth quarter after Arizona made it 31 to three. Yeah. So it was about eight minutes left. Okay. I was well well on the road by yeah. the time the game ended. And you know what? I still got home at one o'clock. I didn't need to see UTEP score a touchdown. I don't want to hear crap. It's UTEP. Yeah. It, this is not Washington. This is not Oregon State, UCLA, or Utah coming up on the home you schedule. Must, you must know of Fafita's appearance. It is brief I as did. it was. I did, but I did not. You know what? I have not seen an opposing team score a touchdown in person against my team thus far this season. Now, very likely that's going to change next week (laughs) when you and I go to the game against Washington. But for now, in two games, when's the last time I could say that, Shane? Yeah, so the two guys would have to be T-Mac and then Gunnar Maldonado. Again, we'll, we'll get more into the defense. Uh, and I'll also just mention Justin Flo, who led the team in tackles for the second straight week. So uh, good to see him getting on the field and doing what he was supposed to do all this time. So uh, those are my guys. I, I'll also, I mean, I, I feel like we have to mention Jane Delora, even though I he, he took better care of the ball that yeah. throw T Mac notwithstanding. You know, you have to consider that it, it, it's it, UTEP. It's UTEP, it's UTEP, but it was better than it was. So I'll I'll mention I'll I'll say as, as much crap as we give him. It's only fair to throw him in as well. 
Now it's time for Buy or Sell, which is presented by our friends at IceShaker. Go to IceShaker.com and use promo code WildcatCountry, capital W, capital C, and get yourself $5 off one of these beauties that you can see in Shane's hand if you're watching the video or behind me. Or if, I mean, if you're listening to the show, you've probably seen what IceShaker looks like. So go to IceShaker.com, use that promo code and get one, or go to Fanatics.com and get yours. All right, Shane, number one in Buy or Sell Arizona's performance against UTEP looked better on the scoreboard than it realistically did on the field. Yeah, I'm actually th- think it's the other way around. Uh, I, mm. I think that I think, and a lot of people have tweeted this at me uh, or or xed at me, whatever, whatever, uh, yeah. yeah, whatever. That uh, Elon, they've Eloned at me. Mm-hmm. That yeah. um, that Arizona, we, we we're waiting for them to hang fifty on someone, right? And you figure that their, their two best chances have already come and gone. Uh, NAU and, and UTEP. You know, Arizona had well over 500 yards of total offense in this game. You'd think they would find a way to score more than 31 points. You know, you had that fumble, you had the block kick, uh, and they're doing pretty well in the red zone, but they're still, you know, the, whether it's the red zone or just getting to opponent's territory, they're still leaving a few points on the board. You know, if this team just put it all together, I think that they could put 50 on there. So 31 to 10 was a little underwhelming, especially when you consider, yeah. and I, I don't like to get too hung up in the scores, but we talked about the previous week, Northwestern, a very bad Northwestern team. Yeah. Uh, 38. Beat UTEP by a, by a wider margin. This game seemed, a, it felt a lot like the NAU game, really. You know, it yeah, was kind it of ugly early, not a lot of points. It was like 14, 14 to three at halftime, wasn't it? The same score yeah. as the NAU game. Yeah. And then they they blew it open in the second half. It was never really in doubt, but it, it felt a little underwhelming to me uh, in terms of the score. Uh, and again, look, they covered. They won, they covered, they moved on, and that's all, all. I mean, I don't care about the cover part really either, except that was one of the two picks I got right last week, which we'll get into later. Um, but I, I I was a little underwhelmed by that by the score more so than, than the performance. On defense, uh, they got bailed out a few times because UTEP just, I mean, they're just not yeah. a good team. They, oh. have some open, they missed some open receivers. Uh, they left a guy wide open in the, uh, late in the game. And, and again, they don't have a single interception this year. Arizona does not have an interception. They have, and, and this was the good chance for them to get one against UTEP. They have three takeaways, all fumbles, no interceptions. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, Shane. I'm just not visually impressed with what I've seen in person. I, I mean, the defense is is definitely better, and we'll talk about that coming yeah. up next. Offensively, I'm just not overly enamored. Like this offense was humming at the end of last year, and. Thus far, I mean, listen, they've scored, what, 69 points in two weeks against uh, NAU and, and UTEP at home. They yeah. scored 24 on the road despite five turnovers against Mississippi State. But I am not overly impressed. It's just not overly sharp. Yeah, I wanna, I, we're, not, yeah. we're not seeing a consistent running game. We're not seeing, you know, I, I expected fireworks, and they're just not there. Yeah, and I, I will credit Jaden Delora, like I already mentioned. This was his best game in a while, even going yeah. back to last year. Uh, there was it should a, be though. A couple of yeah, a couple of plays like he he eluded pressure and and made some either made a run or a good throw. There was one play I think that set up a touchdown early in the second half where it was like a third and four, and he had and he scrambled for his life a couple times back and forth and bought enough time to to make a short completion to Tanner McLaughlin for a first down. Great, yeah, great, great throw. play. There aren't a lot of quarterbacks in the in FBS who can make that play. And that is when Jaden Delora is good, he's very, very good in that regard. And there, there's, there was a play that is near the end zone, near the north end zone where I sit, where Delora was scrambling, like he was going to run out of bounds, and he kind of flipped it. 
to Michael oh, yeah. Wiley yeah. Uh, for a first down to great keep the play. drive alive. Arizona ended up scoring. I mean, that was a phenomenal play by Delora. And a great communication on that play as well, because yep. you, if you watch it back in slow motion, you, you, you see him kind of like signal to Wiley, I'm going yeah, like, to do this. Yeah. And he did it. It was great. It and was it, a it, phenomenal it, and it's a, play. A luxury that, that he has taken advantage of and he really should take advantage of even more that he's got so many backs who can catch the ball. And I know some of you are not going to appreciate the opinion that, oh, Arizona's not a sharp. I mean, it's true. Well, like, Arizona true. should be. Yeah. They should be blowing these teams out 51-10 or something like that. I, fe- I, mean, I feel like most fans are like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. Okay. But let's see what it, what matters. We'll talk about that. But let's start with number two, Shane. It's time for us to apologize to Johnny Nansen for our constant critique and non-belief since the end of last season by yourself. Now, I, I have to go back and look at the footage maybe, but I, I – feel like maybe you were a little harder on him than I, I was. was. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay. I agree. Now, yeah. I, and I think we both agree that, look, if if it, things continued into this season, uh, then it, it, the struggles that they've had, then we need to re- reevaluate because Johnny Nansen had not been a defensive coordinator previously. He's a great recruiter, great uh, position coach, but not a defensive coordinator. And I think, number one, getting more of his guys to the transfer portal. It's a very different looking defense and, and, mm-hmm. and better in that regard. And bringing in Dwayne Aquina, I think yeah. were, were two keys. And yeah. so, yeah. so yeah, I, I think there were probably times I'm sure if someone actually wants to go back and look last year, first of all, you have way too much time on your hands, but second of all, if you did and you, and you find some scathing comments I made about Johnny Nansen, please send them my way. We were probably a little too hard on him. We get yeah. frustrated easily as fans. Uh, but I, I, I think that it, it's starting to come together again. I, 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 I kind of feel like the, the defense should have been even better against UTEP. And again, I, maybe I'm, I'm. Yeah, but you only, Shane, you only got to consider three points scored again. I mean, yeah. you, you cannot consider the backups. Basically yeah. they, they have given yeah. up six points to NAU and UTEP. As far as I'm concerned that, you know, when they're scoring a touchdown with a minute left, that as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't count. I, I will give Johnny credit. I apologize, Johnny. And remember Mississippi state scored 31, seven were in overtime on a missed tackle. And Others were set up by five turnovers. Yeah. So really, the defense has been excellent thus far this season. Now, we'll see what happens over the next nine, over the next 10 weeks, nine games to see if they are as legitimate as we expect. With that said, hey, you know, Johnny, good for you. And and I, I appreciate what you've done. And, and thank you for proving us wrong. So, but, I'll go but, again, but again, three, just three takeaways, no interceptions. That does concern me going forward. Number three, Shane, the Stanford game is a must win. Simple as that. Usually I get on your case, Eric, for this kind of early season hyperbole, but in this yep. case, absolutely 100% buy. Look at the mm-hmm. schedule after Stanford. Seven as of now ranked teams. And yep. then you finish the season at ASU, which I'll tell you, I wish the Territorial Cup game was, was this week because ASU is in complete shambles. And they have terrible. They have two months to turn it around and, and, and figure something out, which I hate because you never know. But dialing it back to the Stanford game. Yes. If, if you're if, number one, if we're thinking, just thinking bowl game, you know, realistically yeah. you, you think, okay, assume, and just for a moment, assume, cause you can't assume anything, but just for a moment, Stanford and ASU would be two wins. You, you might be able to, to get two wins somewhere else in that seven game gauntlet. Uh, yeah. And that's it. But beyond that, I just think in terms of this program showing that it's turned a corner, When's the last time Arizona was favored on the road, or at least favored by this much on the on the road? They're a double-digit yeah. favorite last time I saw. Yeah. And and look, they should be. 
They should be because Stanford's not good, and Arizona is at least an average team. And if they yeah. really have turned the corner or are about to, this is a game that they should win. I don't care about the style points. We'll we'll get to our picks and whether they'll cover the spread later. But all I care about is that is that they win. I I I still believe that any road win is a good win. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care how they do it. They have to find a way to win this game. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is a. You're right. This is a must win. Now, uh, if they lose this game, uh, next week's show is going to be scathing. Simple as that. Yeah. This is a Stanford team who just lost to Sacramento State. Mm-hmm. The coach for Stanford just came from Sacramento State. He knew what they were, and they still couldn't beat him. They so, paid Sacramento State six hundred something thousand dollars yeah. to go beat him. Yeah. This is a bad team. This this team right now, along with ASU, are by far the two worst teams in the conference, and it's really not close. Um, you know, you got the seven ranked teams, you got Arizona Cal, uh, you know, you've got, um, you know, what, or is it, no, excuse me, it's eight ranked teams. You've got Arizona and Cal in that next tier. Then Mm -hmm. you've got ASU and Stanford in that bottom tier. I mean, it's real simple to break down the PAC 12 right now when it comes to that, you cannot lose this game. There are no excuses. I don't care if half the offense gets hurt. You should not lose to Stanford. Their only win was against a bad Hawaii team that gave up 55 to Oregon when Oregon stopped trying last week. No, no excuse. You beat them and you beat them good. Listen, if you beat them by three, just get out of there with a win. The last time, Shane, do you know the last time that Arizona beat Stanford? uh, Before the Richrod era, I believe. It was 2009. One of the greatest regular season games I've ever witnessed. Andrew Luck. Oh, that the uh, one in Tucson you're talking about. Yeah. Nick Foles. Yep. Great game. Trevin yep. Wade made a great play on fourth fourth and goal to preserve Arizona's win. Rob Golden had a, had a pick six in the first quarter. And Arizona uh, rallied from uh, two scores down in the fourth to come back and win. It was a great duel between Nick Foles and freshman uh, Andrew Luck. Yeah. But I do remember, I want to say it was Richrod's first season. I think it was Matt, Matt Scott was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Arizona had, was up two scores at State. Yep. Blew it. And they blew yep. it and lost in overtime. So that was their last best chance to beat Stanford. Now, if Arizona does not beat Stanford this weekend, they may never beat Stanford again because who knows yeah. when these teams are ever going to play. Yeah, Let's be sure. honest. Yeah. But uh, I believe Stanford is the longest, has the longest by years win streak among Pac-12 teams against Arizona. Yeah, uh, I, they went a lot I, of years without playing each other, though, too. Well, they they did, of... but still, 2009, yeah. Yeah. that's 14 yeah. years Crazy. ago, we have not celebrated a win over Stanford. Well, and, and there a portion of that. I mean, you had the, the, the Jim Harbaugh, David Shaw era. So so they were good for a lot of years. But now, uh, no, no, it's not. A, it, they have to find a way to win this game. I, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down a little bit more, but it, 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 you have to stop the run against Stanford. Stanford's actually got a pair of decent running backs. You make him throw the ball yep, and, and maybe and maybe intercept a pass or two. And and they'll be fine. I think if, it, if bottom line is if Arizona plays a turnover free game, they should win. And it, it sounds simplistic, but it's true. We talked about this the other week, Shane. Number four is Arizona and Kansas State officially are going to play the next each of the next two years as non-conference games. Yeah. Buy if this is a good idea or sell if it's a bad one now that it's official. I'll buy that it's a good it's a good game on the schedule. I so from that perspective, I, I think it's it it's kind of silly, it doesn't count as a conference game. I mean, I understand why. Yeah. But Kansas State's a good team. They they, they just mm-hmm. lost to to Missouri, but they're still they're typically a one of those teams you see ranked or just outside the top twenty five, uh, and it's a you know early uh, battle of the Wildcats. So yeah, it, it's a little, it, it's just it's weird. I think is the word for it. It, it. It's weird, but I don't mind it. it as long as it's a quality opponent and Kansas State is a quality opponent, I'm I'm fine with it. All right. So here's the issue that I have with it. 
How many conference games is Arizona scheduled to play in the Big 12 next year? I, I don't know. I think the answer is nine. I, I did a little homework. I, I thought Brett Yormark said it was going to be nine, but I didn't see that confirmed anywhere. So I, I don't I don't know what that answer is. If the answer is nine and Kansas State is the equivalent of a 10th conference game, that's terrible. It just it's it makes no I, sense. I don't know why it has to be that way. I don't know why you can't just make like what I'm sure there's some sort of rule, some sort of legality that's preventing the conference from making that a conference game. But well, I, no, because you can't have more. Everybody has to play the same number of conference. I, I understand, games. but there isn't. But the schedule hasn't even been made yet, as far as I know. Well, but see, here's the problem: it's that they can't find another opponent with empty slots. Mm. You can find yeah. it, and I and I don't think either team really wants to but, pay. But here's a counter to that, Eric, because you remember during the, co- the the COVID era, there were teams that were like basically like begging, "Hey, we need someone to play." Right. It you can find if you can find a way to do it during during the pandemic, you can find a way to do it now. I know it's a little bit different now, now that everyone's back up and running. But uh, and again, I I I don't like to get into this stuff too much just I be, because I don't know what what goes on behind the scenes. But I I don't mind that they're keeping the game. It is kind of silly, though, that it's a non-conference game. Yeah, I completely agree. It, I mean, if you wanted to schedule it and then, you know, find a non-conference game later in the year, heck, Arizona ended their season. Nick Foles' final game was against Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, sometimes right. you have to schedule it like that. Yeah. It makes, to me, it makes no sense whatsoever that this game is a non-conference game in addition to however many. Now, I would feel a little bit differently if there were only eight conference games next year, but yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be at least nine because that's what it is now in the Big 12. So you're going to play 10 conference games? That puts you at a disadvantage. This is a team that's trying to, to make it to a bowl game, to, yeah. to get that extra revenue. And by the way, it's an extra road game next year. Schedule, you know, and I've ripped the non-conference schedule, but you're, I guess you're not really winning. You're, you're just trying to get to a bowl game and and show improvement. I, I Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't love it. I, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work, but I, I would imagine that Arizona would have five of nine conference games at home because yeah. – because they are playing ASU at home next year. So I would imagine that the same concept would, would apply in the Big 12. But, uh, no, but then if you have yeah. Kansas State in there, then essentially you have five home games and five road games in the Big 12. One doesn't count toward the Big 12 record. And I believe the other non-conference games for Arizona next year are NAU again mm-hmm. and New Mexico. So uh, I may be skipping a game or two. I mean, I'm not sure we need it's necessary to go down, to drive down for an 8 o'clock kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Hopefully there are earlier kickoffs from somehow, but well, you, I doubt it. You drove down for the UTEP game. Why wouldn't you drop drive down for the New Mexico? Because I'm game? getting older, Shane. I can't. No, uh. just, I'm not going there. All right, I don't want to get more heat on on our comments page. Just All leave right. it halftime, Eric. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'll just pass on that. All I right. will never do that. All right, uh, bonus question. So the Pac-12 actually did something right in its final year of existence in scheduling Arizona to host UCLA in January 2024 in basketball. Uh, are you surprised by or sell? I am surprised uh, by by the Pac-12's competent, competence and, and and good decision making as as they go out. Yes, uh, part of me kind of wishes that the last home game against UCLA was the last one, just because they won it. You know, yep. so it's like you go out and know that, that you beat them in the last game. But yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to at least to have them play at least two more times next season. And there's always a chance that they could meet for a third time as well. Uh, so yeah, no, I love it. It's, um, I, I know you probably don't because it's another hard game. I know you don't like when Arizona plays hard games. Uh, but I think it was, it, it was a great move. And, and whenever UCLA comes to Tucson, it really is a shame that rivalry is ending because it always has a big game feel regardless of the rankings. 
Arizona's last four games in December are Wisconsin at home. I believe it's Purdue in Indianapolis. It's uh, 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 Alabama and Phoenix and then Florida Atlantic and Vegas. And then three weeks later, you're getting UCLA at home. I mean, if Arizona doesn't have the toughest schedule in the country, honestly, yeah, I I, I don't know who does. You could make an argument this, though that, U, that USC is going to be a tougher game than the UCLA. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go that ahead. that's fine. But you know what? I'm glad that they that they got this right. That the yeah. Pac-12. I mean, listen, this game is going to be on every. It's going to be on ESPN or something like. I mean, it's going, going to be, call it. Yeah, it, right, and it's going to be epic. And I I enjoyed that game last year, and I'm going to try to get tickets and go down again this year. This is a great move by the conference yeah. for once. And we haven't been able to say that in a long time, Shane. So good job, Pac-12, for once. And I mean once. Everything's going right for the Pac-12 as as it, as it marches slowly towards its demise. Isn't that just perfect in every way? Coming up next, let's talk to our favorite college football analyst, Barrett Baker, who is going to give us his thoughts on starting Pac-12 play. And then we'll make some picks in the third segment where he did actually pretty darn good a few weeks ago here in Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? It's Robbie G, baby, and I am gearing up for a big year with Coach Jet Fish and excited to see what the Arizona Wildcats do this football season. And just like the football team, we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed U of A ice shaker, baby. Check it out and get it at fanatics.com. Bear down, Arizona. Let's go. Well, he's back on short notice, and we're always glad to have him. Barrett Baker, former special teams captain, and he is, I call him a captain, lieutenant in the Tucson Fire Department. No, I'll never get it right. We know that. But, hey, we're always appreciative to have you on the show. You know, two out of the last three weeks, and by the way, you did not embarrass yourself in, in picks. You went seven and three a couple weeks ago, so we'll have you on in the third segment. But I'm going to start with this one, Barrett, and it's not Arizona-related, but Got on some email chains with my work at, at CBS Sports, and the email chains basically said that if Colorado, if Deion Sanders had taken over at Colorado last year, the Pac-12 would still be going forward in the future and would have gotten a TV deal. Do you personally believe that? I think that you could probably make a case for that because, I mean, what is he doing to college football? Uh, you know, he is the guy right now and everyone's talking about him and, you know, any publicity is good publicity and the the Colorado. And then because of that, the Pac-12 is relevant. And and to second that, the Pac-12 has gotten off to a good start this year as well. So I think that you could make a case that that's true and it doesn't change anything, though. So I, I guess it's, it's, specula it's speculation and it's conjecture. But uh, what else do we do sometimes? Considering the insane numbers that Colorado, Colorado State did, you you could yep. absolutely be right about that. It's it's it's. I mean, what you like them or not, it's incredible what what's happening in Boulder. Uh, all right, so Barrett, we're uh, a quarter of the way into the season. Uh, Jed Fish says he likes to break the season down into quarters. Quarter number one is over. Give us your overall state of the program and some big, uh, maybe you know, a couple of big takeaways from the first three games of the season. I think we're where we expected to be record wise, you know, and, and you're just so close to having that additional win uh, on the road against Mississippi state, which I think a lot of us thought that we could get that win. Uh, and honestly, it just, you know, three plays out of a hundred that if they go a different way that you're undefeated and, and really feeling good about the direction of the team. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question that this is the best team that we've had under coach fish. Uh, I've been, most pleasantly surprised by the defense 
And, and that was the goal coming into the season. They said if we could have a jump the way we did offensively between years one and two and go from that 120th to a respectable uh, offense, which we really did, made a huge jump when Delora came on board, and then do the same thing on defense. You know, defense has, has not been a word that we're familiar with over the last 10 years of Arizona football. We've been, and, and Coach Nansen, I will tell you, I was not real pleased, and, and I didn't know what our vision was or what our identity was last year in his first year, but they went heavy into the transfer portal, and you've got to like the results so far. We're playing defense. We're holding teams. We're, we're getting some stops. So I, I think we're a much more balanced team, and we're not putting it all on the offense. That being said, I think that offensively we haven't clicked yet. We haven't had that perfect game and we're still winning and we're we're you know putting points on the board and we're we're moving up and down the field but when you have that holding penalty that makes it first and 20 when you have that fumble when you have the missed field goal or the blocked field goal those ultimately just kill the momentum of the game and I think we really saw that last week especially against UTEP where you know out of four series we had seven points even though it seemed like we were moving the ball at will yeah, and Eric and I talked about it in the first segment. You know, look at the yards and the and the turnovers, or even lack thereof. Arizona really should have scored more than thirty-one points. So along those lines, Barrett, let me ask you about the offensive line because it sounds like for the first time all season they might be whole, albeit with a freshman starter in Raymond Polito, who is finally cleared to play. What would that mean for Arizona's offense going forward? I just the continuity and and putting the front five in their best positions. And the, the left side has done great. You know, center has been uh, obviously for three or four years now with Baker. Uh, they like what they see with Jonah at right tackle and that right guard position. You know, listen, Leaf Magnuson, he played fantastic last week when he got the opportunity to do that. Uh, but to have five guys and your top five that are all the number one, so to speak, that should do something. And I, I'm excited that they get one game here with Stanford that I feel like we should win that game, obviously, to work out a few of the kinks. But if they think that Jonah's better at right tackle compared to right guard, then that's great. But it did give Borjan uh, an opportunity to get some some real playing time with snaps when they mattered. Uh, we did get to see some platooning at right guard, and, and that helps with the depth because now we actually know that we can go you know, 7-8, deep at the offensive line and not have a huge drop-off the running uh the offensive line production when it comes to rushing the ball it, it i think I, i'm missing a little bit with that but i feel like they've done a great job uh in, in regards to pass protection so if Polito can get in there and maybe just you know make a few more run blocks uh spring a few more guys then i think that we're on the uh, path to success there let's talk about Jaden delora and you know shane and i discussed this this last week, we probably, if we were coaching, would have benched him in the first half against Mississippi State when he was just throwing the ball to the other team, more so than he was throwing it to Arizona's receivers. Number one, would you have benched him if you were coaching? Number two, what is your outlook the rest of the season on Delora, and has it changed? Well, I feel like we've had the same conversation, honestly, going back, you know, 15 games at this point. Uh, <clears throat> he's maddeningly, maddeningly? Maddeningly uh, lovable and maddeningly hateable. And, you know, obviously we never use the word hate, but he just, we've talked about it so often. He makes plays sometimes that, that are so frustrating 
And then the next time he makes a play that not many guys can make. So I think we're constantly going for that consistency. Uh, but at the end of the day, he is what he is. And, you know, Coach Fish, obviously, uh, and Coach Doherty, they work with him. So the, the, the quick release and all of those things that he's able to do, fantastic. Uh, I'll tell you, the Mississippi State, you know, one of the passes I thought was the last one for that matter, that's pass interference, judgment call, but that guy was over the back of Cowing, and that's and then it's a horrible deflection that goes right to a guy. That should be an interception, or I mean an incompletion. Uh, another time, Coach Fish basically said, hey, we should have motioned a guy. We didn't. That put two guys in, in the same zone, and you can never have one guy covering two receivers. So that was a mistake. Those are fixable things. Um, so I, I don't hate the mistakes that he's making. It's not, I don't feel like he's making uh, horrible reads. I think sometimes he thinks that he can fit it into this window when it needs to be in this window. And sometimes it's six inches. Sometimes it's a yard is the difference between a touchdown an incompletion and an interception. And early in the season or in, in that first quarter, you know, three interceptions, but I'll tell you what, we're not in that game in the fourth quarter in overtime in the same vein. If he's not the guy behind center. And that's fair. He made a great, uh, rally in the second half. He did it. You know, he turned it around. Now, I wouldn't have kept him in the game. I would have gone to Fafita. I mean, at some point, you got to put the kid in there and let's see what he can do. But good for Jed. He stuck with him. So be it. All right. I asked Shane this earlier in the first segment. Is this week against Stanford a must win? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're better than Stanford. Uh, we're a better program than Stanford. And it's time to, you know, year, what do we say? Lose big year one, lose small year two win small year three, and then hopefully next year we really take off. But we're a good team. And when you're a good team, you beat teams that you're better than. And we're better than Stanford. And you just have to put that on record. You have to go show America uh, that we've arrived. And there's no reason, considering Stanford, what they've shown so far, uh, that we shouldn't win. We've got a couple games of tape on them now with a new coach. Uh, obviously a very, very different uh, speed that they play with offensively compared to the the Shaw uh, Stanford teams, uh, but no, we're, we're better than them. We're better on both sides of the ball, and I need us to show for four quarters. I would like us to put it together. The great unknown to me, I would say this to both of you, I feel like something's been missing on offense, and I don't know exactly what it is. Again, it's the ill-timed penalty. It's the ill-timed turnover. You know, it's it's maybe not as many explosive plays as that we had last year, Um but what happens when we get to that gauntlet, right? After Stanford, it gets real. So you've got to get this win uh, and come out healthy, and then it really becomes, okay, what's this season going to turn out to be? Stanford, for all their faults, I mean, they just paid Sacramento State almost three-quarters <coughs> of a million dollars to uh, to beat them. Uh, but they, they they do have a decent running game. They have two running backs who can who were average over seven yards a carry. Uh, if you're Johnny Nansen, how do you how do you go about attacking the, this offense? Did do you, do you dare dare Stanford to beat you in the in the passing game? Well, I, I think we've shown right now that that we're so solid against the rush, right? With Manoa and uh, Big Bill Norton, Kongaika, Ty Ty. I mean, we've got a great rotation up front, and then Manu is just as steady as could be. I think leading the Pac-12 in tackles. You know, Flo came in, and and I'll tell you what, against the rush, he is what we expected, right? He's a violent tackler uh, that gets to the ball with bad intentions. We also saw the worst of him, I think, with the busted coverage, and and that's the, the challenge with him right now. But 
against the rush, I don't think that Stanford ultimately can beat us up front. So if you can make any offense one dimension, one dimensional, then then you're ahead of the game. And I just don't see where, based off what we've seen for the first three games, that they're going to have a success against us uh, and put a lot of points on the board. Bear, my last question for you. Uh, no interceptions for Arizona uh, no, no, on on the defensive side of the ball through the first three games. They have three f- uh, forced fumbles uh, or fumble recoveries, no interceptions. Is that a concern or an anomaly? Do you expect that that number to change in the near future? So I would say this, you know, Coach Fish was adamant when he hired Coach Nansen that that was the reason that we hired him and that we needed to get better at forcing turnovers, that he was obviously displeased if I could use that term under coach Brown, that we did not force enough turnovers. Um, and so that was a real emphasis. And they talked about that in the off season and, and coach Nansen's first season, how many turnovers are, are we forcing? Now the flip side of that is that this is the best defense that we played in a long time. So we're not getting turnovers, but we're getting stops. And at the end of the day, I don't care if, if we can make a team go three and out or, you know, not score points against us. It, that's just as good as a turnover. So uh, three and out and punting, I have no problem uh, of that compared to forcing a turnover. The Achilles heel, I still think to our, uh, to this defense right now, uh, is that we're still not getting to the quarterback as consistently as we would like out of the base package. So Ward has the bend, and, and you know he's got a lot of potential. And Upshaw, I mean, he's he's gotten to the quarterback a couple times. We're getting close, and, and we've got to get some pressure. We've got to get some wins out of that front four out of the base package without having a blitz. And once we do that, if we can get some of that pressure up front, then that will start leading to turnovers. When you can force a quarterback to throw early or off his spot, that's when you get the bad decisions. That's when you get the turnovers. And we just haven't been able to do that quite yet. Now we're going to make our picks for the Stanford game and other games in the next segment. But assuming this week is a win and we're going to give Arizona a win just because we have to over ASU, there would be four right there. Now, Arizona needs at least six to get to bowl eligibility. There are four home games left, uh, Washington, Oregon State, UCLA, Utah, and we'll throw in the road game at Colorado. I I don't feel good about at USC, and I don't feel great at Washington State right now. Find me the two wins based on those games. It's hard because you could almost flip a coin. I honestly believe that. I, I think that, and we talked about this last time we were on the show I don't think a lot of teams want to play us, quite frankly. So when, when you look at, at Oregon State and you look at UCLA and you look at Washington and it's like, oh, man, we don't want to play those. Well, they don't want to play us. And I think that's the thing is if we believe and we execute for four quarters, then I I, I think that we beat UCLA. Uh, if we play well against Oregon State, you know, I think that that's a possibility. They're a well-coached team, and Smith has done a great job changing that uh, program. Uh, but – you know, Utah, it's a little bit of an unknown because they still don't have Cam rising. But I don't think that they're – I mean, even Washington last year, did we lose by 10 points mm-hmm. you know, on the road? Very questionable and, uh, call as a pass interference or holding call yes. in that game. Yeah. yeah. Now, they, they've obviously – their offense and DeBoer has them really clicking and Penix is uh, uh, unreal. But guess what? We're better than we were last year. We play them at home. And we only lost by 10 points last year. So I, I don't see that there is a game outside of USC where obviously talent-wise, you know, they've got all the five stars. But there's not a game this year where I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're outmatched. And I think that the the, the 
the improved defense really lends itself to give me more confidence in that. I don't think we're going to have to outscore teams, you know, 55 to 53 to win some games this year. So there's some wins out there. Colorado, you know, listen, they're again, three and oh, and, and, We'll know a lot more about their wins at the end of the season than we do right now. We don't know about Colorado State. We don't know about Nebraska, and we really don't know what TCU is. So give them credit for winning because that's what you get, you're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, what if that's their only three three wins of the season? You know, I don't think that will be the case, but they've shown that uh, they're not invincible. Colorado State beat them for 59 minutes. And you know, so they'll come down. Uh, they're, 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 they're obviously the talk of the town right now, but they'll get uh, – knock down a few notches and I think that we'll probably take care of business against them as well in advance of our picks in the next segment just one little gambling tidbit based <clears> on <throat> something that Barrett just said in all three of Arizona's games this season the total has gone under the projected Vegas line the line this week is 59 and a half I'm picking the under let's see if Shane and Barrett will agree with me coming up next year on Wildcat Country All right, Shane, it was not a good week for you last week in the picks. Two and seven, uh, our guest, Alan Bell, my colleague at uh, at Sportsline, five and four. And I went seven and two. So much five. for doing research. Yeah, You, you know, know what? This this week's picks, I pride myself. I have done no research. I'm going straight from the gut. And if that doesn't work, I am bringing my four-year-old on next week to make picks because he can't do any worse than I can. In week in week uh, two, Barrett went seven, three, and one and outpicked the both of us. Now, yep. Shane, I... I'm up eight games on you and three games on our guest pickers. So let's see if Barrett can narrow the gap here. We have a great slate of games this week. So let's run them down. I think we have 10 games to pick. We'll go quickly. Florida State is a two and a half point favorite at Clemson. Shane, I'll let you start with this one. I'm still a Florida State believer. Clemson hasn't looked apart this year. Uh, I'm going to take Florida. I know they, they had a rough a rough game at Boston College. I think they learned from that. They, uh, they have their head on a swivel at Clemson. I think they find a way to cover. Barrett? Uh, I, I'm going to actually do the opposite of that because I think the heat is on Dabo and Clemson. Uh, they've obviously underwhelmed a little bit this year, and this will be the game that they finally say, okay, we're, we're Clemson. Uh, Florida State's fit for an upset. I, I'm going to take Clemson on that one. I may be uh, – this may be a sucker bet, but I think Florida State was caught looking ahead to Clemson last week. I think they show up this week. I think the game is close. I can see it being a three- to six-point spread. But I think Florida State edges one out, so I'm going with Shane on this one. Not sure that's a good idea, Barrett, but I'm going with Shane yeah. on this one and, and taking Florida State. All right, next game, uh, battle of top 25 teams as well. Ole Miss is a seven-point underdog at Alabama. Lane Kiffin in his career against Nick Saban, three and one against the spread. I think Ole Miss keeps it close but loses – somewhere in the 28-24 range. Barrett, what do you think? I think Alabama, for the first time and as long as I can remember, doesn't have that quarterback that is leading them the way we're used to seeing. Uh, until they find that, I, I don't really believe in them. And I'm going to go with Ole Miss on that one. Shane? I'm going to go against both of you guys, which is probably not a good uh, good idea uh, considering recent history. But uh, I think uh, Milrose back in a quarterback just by uh, you know they they don't they they don't have another option at this point. But they're I, they're at home. They're playing. All, I, I got to believe they're going to find a way to cover. They're still Alabama. The game I'm looking forward to most that, that's not not Arizona's game this weekend. Ohio State is a three point favorite at Notre Dame. I think this one's close. Once again, I mean I could see this one being a push. But I like Ohio State to win a close one. Shane, how about you? 
I agree with you. I, I think Ohio State's the better team. Uh, I don't think home field's going to matter that much. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan could be, will likely be for a college football playoff spot. Uh, I'm going to go with the Buckeyes to cover. Barrett? It's just so hard early in the season when it comes to these. I, I just don't know enough to where uh, you, know, you could really say one way or the other. So I think Ohio State is, from a coaching standpoint, th- their system is still more intact than what uh, – the coach is trying to do it at Notre Dame, and, and they're still learning how to win. So it's Ohio State for me. The last one that is not involving a Pac-12 team, I was going up to the whiteout in Penn State as uh, at night game. Penn State is favored by 14 and a half. Barrett, I'll start with you. Is that too many points for Iowa to be getting at Penn State? No, because I still don't know if I'm a huge believer in Iowa's offense. Uh, you know, I mean, they've just been – their defense has scored more points than their offense. Of course, that's not true, but – you know, until they disprove that, uh, I don't think that they're going to score enough points. So uh, I would go with uh, Penn State on that one. Dane. Well, the problem is uh, uh, an Iowa blowout, as in Iowa getting blown out, could look like a 20 to 10 kind of score. Right. That's the problem. That, that's the thing with, with giving them that many points. So I think Penn State could win handily, so to speak, and still only win by 10 or so. So I'm going to take Iowa to cover. Boy, I, Shane, you and I are agreeing way too much this Uh-oh. week. I, I have Penn State by 10. I think Iowa's offense is better than we've seen in recent years. I think they find a way to score. Maybe put uh, some Penn State fans, get them a little bit nervous. So I'm going with Iowa to cover. Now, we get on to the six-pack 12 games, and there are some doozies this <coughs> week. Arizona-Stanford is the undercard, but we'll go last just because it's the game that we're we want to talk about, but all right, let's start with Oregon state is a two and a half point road favorite at Washington state. Shane, I'll start with you. Who do you have there? This is a tough one. I mean, Washington state's better than I expected. Oregon state even is a bit better than I expected. Oregon state didn't look as impressive offensively as I thought they would last week. Uh, I'm just going to go straight up with the home team here. I, I think I think Oregon state's a bit better, but I think the cookers uh, they're at home. I think they find a way to, to at least cover if not win outright. Barrett. Uh, no one has shown that Washington State is beatable yet. Uh, I mean, they've just been playing good on both sides of the ball, and I think they believe. And so I'm going to go with Washington State, the Palouse Posse. By the way, we're going gonna... to we, call this the the, the, the Pac-2 championship? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're talking about keeping a Pac-2 next year? I just read that today. Insane. How is this even a thing? Well, I... hey, winner, they play each other uh, 12 times, and the, whoever wins 7 out of 12 goes to the Rose Bowl, right? Well, I'm going to tell you who's going to win on Saturday, and it's Washington State at home. Oregon State's actually really good. Shane, I thought you nailed it right there. I think Oregon State's really good. Washington State, super impressive at home. We'll see what they do on the road. I mean, they they pasted Colorado State in game one. You saw what Colorado State did last week against the Buffaloes. But I'm going to roll with Washington State to win this game outright. Now, a game that I am passionate about, Colorado at Oregon, and the Ducks are giving 20 and a half points, so just short of three touchdowns. Barrett, I'll start with you. Can Colorado, without Travis Hunter and and the cheap shot that he took last week, can they keep it close against the Ducks? I think Colorado State probably provided the blueprint for, you know, how do you beat Colorado? Because, again, they did it for 59 minutes. So now that Colorado has a few uh, weaknesses and, again, to to lose your best player, uh, listen – these coaches are very, very good at finding weaknesses and exploiting them. Uh, so I, I think that Oregon's going to do that, and we'll kind of see that, again, Colorado is still a team that won one game this year, and you can only change things uh, you know, so much. So I'm, I'm expecting Oregon to win that one. 
okay, even Shane. with the, that spread with, with the points yeah with the points yep. Shane yeah I, I agree uh I it's pretty simple for me this is the best offense Colorado's faced so far and the best defense they've faced so far and they're going to be on the road in one of the wor- the most hostile environments in the country yes. uh, I I think Colorado maybe finds a way to keep it close for three quarters maybe within one or two scores but I think Oregon busts it open at some point and I think they cover I disagree with you, Shane, in that I don't think they keep it close for three quarters. In Fine. eight combined home games last year and this year, uh, Oregon has seven and one straight up and against the spread. And mm. they are average in the seven wins, they're average beating their opponents by 33 points a game. Colorado does not stand a chance. I think my score of 45 17 Oregon, maybe even closer than it should be. I could see Oregon getting closer to 60. Oregon, big. The Dion hype down. And next week, they're going to get spanked by USC at home. And I'm here for it. All right. Uh, <laughs> UCLA at Utah. Utah is a four and a half point favorite. Now, I think Cam Rising will be back for this game. I'll give you a I'll give you guys a stat before you guys make your picks. Utah has won 16 straight home games, and in 14 of those games, they've won by double digits. Will they cover the four and a half? Shane, what do you think? I've been going back and forth on this. Um, uh, and yeah, the log- all logic suggests that Utah finds a way to win and, and, and cover. But I just, I feel like the, the wheels are going to come off at some point for Utah. And, and that, that, that game against Baylor still sticks in my head. Again, they easily could have, could have lost. I know Cam Rising's back. I don't, it's debatable whether that's a huge improvement for them on, on, on the offensive side of the ball. So I, against all logic, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to my gut this week, right? My gut is saying UCLA actually might go in and find a way to win that game against mm. all logic and against all, the history you just mentioned. So I'm going to go with the Bruins. All right, Barrett. Uh, Utah's is off this year and it, it could be rising, uh, but I, I don't feel in watching a few of the games uh, that they are what we've come to know for the last 10 years. And so until they start showing that dominance, uh, listen, UCLA they're always explosive, new quarterback, uh, but but that system's tough to defend, and I'll go for the upset with UCLA. Wow, I'm shocked, guys. I'll tell you what. I think Utah at home is a different animal. Love them this week. Minus four and a half. I think they win the game by double digits. So we really disagree on this one. All right, three more to go. Cal at Washington. Quick one here. We know the Huskies are going to win, but they're favored by three touchdowns, 21 points. I think Washington covers. They win the game by 24, pull away in the fourth quarter. Barrett, what do you think? Wilcox always has Cal, you know, they know how to play defense there. And I just wonder if they can get the run game established enough to keep the ball out of the Washington offense. I think that they can. And so 21, that's a lot of points, but I'll go with California uh, to, to, to not lose by 22. Yep. Yeah. Shane. Yeah, that it kind of feels like maybe a backdoor cover for Cal, but I think I I'm just such a huge believer in Washington and Michael Penix. Um, I'm I'm hoping that I mean Washington's going to win. Obviously, we hope Arizona wins, so that bit, that makes it a, a an even bigger deal in Arizona Stadium the following week. But I I'm going to keep rolling with Washington, and and I I should have taken him last week. I I thought Michigan State was going to cover. Boy, was I off on that. So I'm going to go with the Huskies to cover this week. This is a line I never thought I'd see. I I don't even know what to say about it. USC is a 34-point road favorite at ASU. Shane, I'm going to start with you. I, honestly, I've gone back and forth on this one. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, that's tough. And and I've and ASU keeps burning me because I, I I picked them to cover the last two weeks. And and I mean, mm-hmm. no, it I didn't mean, go so well for you last did, week. Did it, it did not. It did not. And uh, 
They're I, really bad. They're really bad. I, I, I feel, I mean, well, their offensive line, like they're, it doesn't matter who you put behind center. You can put, you could put the, uh, the, the, the Manning arch Manning back there right now. It wouldn't matter if he doesn't have time to throw. Uh, but with that said, ASU's at home. I just can't take USC to cover at whatever they're calling that stadium now in Tempe. So I think USC rolls, but I think ASU finds a way to cover the 34 points. Barrett. I mean, 34 points is so many points. You know, it, it just, it's hard to say that one team is five touchdowns better than somebody else, but I think they are. I think, you know, if, if ASU is talking about maybe starting con over, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's a fourth string quarterback. Mm. They're so depleted on offense and defense. And, and this is a brand new coach and they don't know how to win under him yet. They don't know what they are. So it's a recipe, you know, I, I would never say that I feel bad for ASU ever. So I'm just going to enjoy the 34 point win for USC. And so we knew Barrett was going to take the points with the Trojans. And finally, Arizona right now, we're going to give the line is 11 and a half. This one's moved all over the place. Started in the nines, got up to 12. We're going to give Arizona minus 11 and a half. I'm actually going to start with this one and then I'll, I'll go to Barrett. Then Shane. I actually think Stanford is going to keep this game closer than they should. We don't know what Arizona is going to do, I guess, on the road away from home. I mean, they played well in Starkville, but really, how good is Mississippi State? I was not impressed with what I saw last week against LSU. I think Arizona wins this game. I don't think it's comfortable. I think it's lower scoring than we'd like. Wildcats 31, Cardinal 23, so they don't cover. All right, Barrett? Give us a score prediction and why. I We've got to, to put it together. We've got three games now under our belt that we've technically worked out the kinks. And I think that we play a clean game tomorrow or on Saturday, excuse me. So if we play that clean game and, and just eliminate those dumb penalties and turnovers, uh, you know, the, the potential is there, I think, to win like a 41 to 10 type. Wow. Okay. Shane, I'll let you have the last word on this yeah. particular game. Would love to see it. By the way, Eric, did you make the, your pick on the ASU-USC game? Were you taking USC? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, sorry. You're good, good point. And I'm taking ASU with the points. I just think I think 34 is too many. I think they lose right. by uh, close to four touchdowns. But yeah, I'm going to agree with you, yeah. Shane. Thank yeah, you. I, I totally forgot about right. that. No, good no, no worries. Uh, I, and as far as the Arizona-Stanford game, I agree with you, Eric. Uh, we're agreeing a lot, which again, it might not be good news for you. Uh-oh. Uh, but um I, I think this has ugly game written all over it. I hope Barrett's right. I just feel like, you know, Arizona's offense just hasn't clicked, and I don't know if it's going to click this weekend. Uh, I And I think, you know, I, I, they're going to have the offensive line hold, but that's going to be an adjustment in itself, especially with a freshman coming in, assuming he, that Polito is going to get the start. I know he's been cleared. Uh, defensively, I, 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 I'm still not sold on their ability to, to shut down the run against a good run offense, and we saw what happened in, in Starkville. Um, I think Arizona finds a way to win on and they better win this game, but I I'm thinking I'm, I'm taking, like you said, Eric, I'm taking the under and I'm, I'm thinking for whatever reason, uh, I hope, I hope this doesn't happen because it's gonna be four hours of, or three hours of agony. I'm thinking t- like 20 to 19 Arizona. They find a way to grind out. Wow. A- I hope Only I am wrong. 20 points. Yeah. So Barrett's going 41 to 10. I'm going 31, 23 and you're going 20 to 19. I uh, I like your both of your predictions better than mine, and I hope I'm wrong. I just that number's been ingrained in my head. So, like I said, I'm rolling with my gut this week. That's what that's what my gut's telling me. 
Another awesome episode of Wildcat Country. Barrett, thank you as always for joining Shane and I. So for Barrett Baker and Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. <laughs>